Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Have you ever thought about bringing your family along in deals? Maybe you're already doing that. Today, we're going to talk about how to get the people you care about the most involved in your real estate investments, if you choose to, on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Choosing the right market is one of the most important decisions you need to make as a real estate investor. You're looking for infrastructure, diverse and durable industry, and the right kind of jobs. So let's see if you can spot this market. It's home to more than 80 accredited universities, a Federal Reserve Bank, and more than 1,200 multinational companies. Need some more hints? It's one of the top 10 MSAs and is home to 10 Fortune 500 companies, including UPS, Coca-Cola, NCR, and Home Depot. Still stumped? It's third on the list of most Energy Star buildings in the U.S., has the second tallest hotel in the Western Hemisphere, and it boasts the world's busiest airport. Did you guess Atlanta? You're right. And there's so much more to discover about Atlanta, including the specific neighborhoods where fully rehabbed houses cash flow like crazy, yet sell to investors for far less than $100,000. So come take a look. Join the Real Estate Guys investor field trip to Atlanta, Georgia. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Experience this incredible market for yourself and hang out with the Real Estate Guys. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're going to talk today about a subject that is near and dear to our hearts. And who are we? Well, let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, my brother, Russell Gray. <laughs> hey, Robert. Not my actual brother, but my brother from another mother. And uh, the man we call the godfather of real estate. He's been investing for uh, seven different decades. He's my daddy, Bob Helms. Thank you. It's great to be here with you folks. Are uh, those consecutive decades, Bob? <laughs> they, they actually are. <laughs> you didn't are. sit any out, did you? Yeah, consecutive <laughs> no. uh, decades. So Bob's been in the game a long time. And you know, I have the benefit of uh, growing up in a real estate uh, family. Now, I consider it a, a benefit. Uh, my sister did not. She had no interest whatsoever in real estate. In fact, when we're at a family function and we start talking too much real estate, she says, oh, you guys in your real estate, you know, be quiet. Let's talk about something else. And that, that's just kind of the way it is. For me, I got around real estate, got exposed to real estate. I can't say that I instantly gravitated towards it. But after a while, you start to kind of see the logic, see what's happening and understand it. And now, Russ, you're in a point where you're starting to get your kids involved. Actually, many of your kids have been involved in real estate investing. And so what we thought we talk about today is this idea of getting your family involved. And I think the first thing is, is that even a good idea? Well, you know, I mean, I think so. I'm, you know, we homeschooled our kids uh, largely, and I use the term we loosely. My wife did 99.9% .9 of the work, but the concept is um, that, you know, you want to be as involved in your kids' lives as you can be. And I think that when they get to the point where they're ready to figure out how to make money and what they want to do with their lives, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the apprenticeship model. You know, you learn how to speak the language you speak. You pick up your cultural values by living in the family unit and by being around it, you know, and it, you, it's kind of by osmosis. And it's awfully hard to just send someone off to a classroom and plunk them down and have them go through a prescripted curriculum and pick up all the nuances of doing business. So for me, you know, to be able to have my kids come alongside me and just ride shot gun with me. Uh, my uncle did that for me. You know, when I was a young man trying to figure out what to do with my life, he was kind enough to take me under his wing and I would just ride around on sales calls with him. I would watch the way he conducted business. And there were so many things that you just can't pick up in a classroom. You know, you got to see it in action. And so I, I'm a big believer in that. And I think real estate is something that, that is visceral, that people see and understand right away. I mean, so many people get attracted to it. So it's an easy thing to get your, your family interested in, at least from a children perspective, uh, as a way that they think, hey, I can do this. I can make money. This is within you know, my scope of ability. Now, Bob, we always say we grew, you know, I grew up in a real estate family, but that really started with you. You didn't come from a background where your parents and grandparents were big you know, real estate investors. So how did you become kind of the first in your family to get the real estate bug? Great question. It, and it's hard to figure out, to be honest. Um, first of all, in the days when I was ready to start, I'm living in California. That's significant because that's a very expensive place to begin undertaking to be a real estate investor of any kind. In fact, uh, I'm, I was thinking that as Russ was talking about bringing his kids in, Russ also spent a lot of his time in California. Now, I began investing almost by accident. There was nobody uh, in the family who had done this before. There were no mentors, but I had the advantage that my brother and I, who were both engineers, had the ability to have jobs which gave you pretty good earnings and some discretionary income, had a commonality. We had a close family. 
And so we began investing together. That made it a little easier. I actually bought the first property, and by the time I was ready to buy the next one, Bill was ready to come along. Well, and that's a good point because, you know, you may be listening going, well, I don't have kids, or my parents aren't interested in real estate. And part of this isn't just about your children. We're going to talk today because we're going to meet one of Russ's children who is now just getting the real estate bug a little bit and looking at business and deciding what to do when he grows up now that he's out of college. And, you know, look at who gravitates to this. Most people aren't interested in their real estate necessarily. They're interested in the financial stability real estate can bring to your life. But some people are. Some people gravitate towards the trades. They like to build. They like to construct. We know a lot of families that are in the construction business who then got into the real estate investment business. Again, almost like you said, by default, right? Uh, they're building stuff and they end up stuck with something. They put tenants in there and before you know it, they're like, hey, this is pretty good. So a lot of, a lot of ways to get involved. The, the big question I think is, is it right for you? We talk about personal investment philosophy. All of us today are believers in bringing your family along. That doesn't make it right for you. I'll tell you, there is the school of thought, which is don't mix business with pleasure. Don't mix family or friends with what you do for a living. And I have to be respectful of that, even though that's not the way I see it. I think that if you educate people and you give them invitations, they can decide if it's in if it's in their best interest to come along. But that's the first thing is you need to decide, is there somebody? If you are a, an investor with kids, are your kids prepared to take over your portfolio when you're gone? I mean, maybe that's the place to start. What basic understanding and education did they have? Because what we see happen when we brokered real estate together, Bob, we did some probate. We had an attorney, a probate attorney that would refer us, you know, as a listing agent for families that had lost a loved one and there was an estate and there was real estate to be sold. And more often than not, the kids just wanted to get rid of it. And mom and dad had built up a portfolio over some period of time with the, the love and the legacy to leave that for the kids. And as soon as the kids had it, boom, they liquidated it. Now, that didn't always happen. Sometimes we saw, just a few weeks ago, we were in a marketplace where there is a developer who was a, a son of a father who was developing. The father passed away just last year and the son stepped right into his shoes and the family legacy continues. So you got to start with who your family is and are they, first of all, are you interested in bringing them along? And secondly, are they interested? That's such a key point. In your and my case specifically, we went on to become a father and son team selling, buying, and working with investor clients in real estate. And we did that for almost 18 years. I'm reminded of your sister. We were having lunch together and she says to Robert, you know, I love dad too, but how can you possibly work with him every day? So it's, it's all about your perspective. No matter what you want for them, it has to be the right thing. Leaving a legacy is one thing, involving him in the business is another. So Russ, you got a whole bunch of kids and uh, they've been through the age where they've come of age and thought about their finances and so forth. And they've all reacted a little differently. So as a parent, what, what say you? Well, I mean, you know, just going back to even how I met you, right? In the annals of real estate guys lore, I'm driving around Silicon Valley listening to the real estate guys radio show. And I have a daughter who had just graduated from high school and was trying to decide if she wanted to go to college or not. And she expressed an interest in going into real estate. And, you know, being the way I am, and I'm, I'm a seminar junkie, I, I still am, you know, I, I love going to conferences and seminars and learning and getting around people. So I said, well, look, let's, let's go to this seminar. So I signed up for the Jumpstart Your Real Estate Guy seminar featuring Robert Helms. And uh, she and I went to that event. And that's where I first met you and your dad. And, you know, I'm doing the same thing now with Sean, who's just got out of college and he's the baby of the bunch. We've got a kind of a long string of kids. And same thing, first thing we did is let's go to a conference. Let's go hang out at a conference. Let's go to some seminars. Let's start hanging around people, get a feel for what's out there. It's like, you know, when you graduate from college or high school and you've been on this very programmed track, and I think a lot of that is designed to plug you in directly into some type of a corporate machine where you're going to be, you know, continue to be on a track. What time do you come to work? What time do you get off? Do you get a break? What are my daily assignments? You know, how much money do you get paid? It's kind of scripted for you. It's not largely under your control. You got to wait till somebody subjectively says you're worthy of earning more. And I just can't stand that environment. Right. And I wanted my kids to know that, you know, clearly that's out there for them, but I wanted them to know there was another way. And the best way for me to show them that other way was to escort them into life and say, let's go out and see who's out there and let's look at different people. You know, all the adults in the world aren't like me. 
right? I mean, there's all kinds of different people. I remember being a young person, and I just thought everybody was like my mom and dad. I thought everybody was responsible. I thought everybody was mature. I thought everybody, you know, was moral. And then I get out there, and I find bad people. I find liars. I find losers and users. And I'm like, wow, you know, there's a lot of variety in this world I didn't understand. And, you know, in the beginning, I got victimized by that a little bit because I didn't know. I trusted when I shouldn't have trusted. And I think that's, you know, common for a lot of young people. So I wanted to escort my kids out into the adult life. And the other thing is I wanted to equip them. I wanted to give them what I felt was the life essential skill. I, said, I don't care what you want to do with your life. You have to know how to sell. You have to know how to go into the world and create revenue. Because if you can do that, you can sell yourself into a job. If that's what you choose to do, you can uh, sell yourself into a business. You can make deals if you choose to trade real estate or whatever else you know you want to get into. Uh, but you've got to have that life essential skill. And to me, that's, that's a language you learn, as I said earlier, by, by being in the environment and watching people speak it. You know, environments and associations are so critical. Who you associate with and the environment you're in dictates a lot about you. If you spend more time with people that go to concerts than baseball games, you're going to go to more concerts than baseball games. That's how it is. And in high school and college, you're around a crowd. And they have you thinking a certain way, going a certain way, doing certain things. And when you make a break and you move from high school to college or college into the real world, you decide whether you bring those associations along. If you're a real estate investor listening, I'm going to guess that no matter what age you are, you wish you started a few years earlier, right? <laughs> we meet people in their 40s starting in real estate go, man, if I only started like you at 24, we meet people today and they're in their 20s going, man, I wish I'd started at 18. So the idea of inviting not just kids, but nieces, nephews, close family friends to the concept of real estate is a good step. Maybe you give them a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Maybe you invite them to a seminar. Maybe you just share a, a few words over a meal to see if you can ignite a spark. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. And what you been doing, Russ, is kind of putting a lot of different ideas out there. But what I appreciate watching is that you're not saying, oh, this is how it's going to be. You're just saying, hey, let's see what you gravitate to. Let's see what rings your bell. Because if you're not excited about what you get up and do in the morning, you're not going to stay with it. I think the main point there for me anyway is just understanding the options. You know, I, I know there have been many times in my life where I've gone along thinking I was at, at a level. And then I would meet somebody at a level above me. And I found out I could have a conversation with them intellectually. I had some understanding. Sometimes I brought something of value to the conversation. I was like, wow, I can play at this level. I would see people who made money. I went, well, I can do what they do. I'm just as smart as they are. I'm willing to work hard. And I think a big part of achievement is belief. The way you believe is you get around other people and you go, wow, I, I can do this too. And I, I, you know, you talk about associations, you know, Kenny McElroy told us that, you know, we asked him one time, what was his best piece of advice? If you want to change your life, what do you do? He goes, change the people you hang around with. And so I wanted to show my kids, you know, it's great to hang around with a bunch of 18 year olds. And I know what goes on in colleges and all that. Right. But, you know, when you decide to go to the next level, you're going to have to get around people who are at the next level and find out you can hang with them. You know, you might be low man on the totem pole for a little bit, but you'll, you'll find that you have a comment or a question or an insight and somebody who is much older and wiser and more experienced and successful is going to go, wow, that's a good thought. And then all of a sudden your belief level goes way up and you're willing to go out and try more. Well, birds of a feather too. And, and the way that you up what's happening in your life is to get around people that hold themselves to higher standards, who are going places, doing things, interested. If you think you have a cursory interest in something, start hanging around people who have that interest and you'll decide pretty quickly quickly go to a conference on the subject and so forth right you take a young person who has you know wide eyes and enthusiasm trying to figure out their way in the world and take them to a couple of events or introduce them to some webinars or, or podcasts or books and see what they gravitate to because who you hang around with is huge and today there's probably a better opportunity than ever to tap into the brains of the world because all of the greatest ideas the greatest thinkers have made their information available in articles and online and through phone conferences and live events and get around some sharp people. I'm thinking that very thing as we're sitting here, thinking back to how I began again. And it isn't that there was nothing available. A lot less was available then than now, but there was still stuff there. And the whole question is, how do I get in touch with it? I first of all got to be aware that somebody knows this stuff and even better, somebody's willing to teach it to you. So today, there is so much opportunity but not if you don't get engaged. 
If you're thinking about making real estate part of your family legacy, that's what we're talking about today. Lots of ideas today, and you're going to meet a young entrepreneur on his way to lots of great stuff in his life. We'll meet him before we're done today. I don't play real estate trivia. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're talking today about family involvement in real estate. Is that something for you? Is there a way that you can bring the people you care about along in your real estate investing and do that in a responsible way for you and for them? You know, I think the idea of apprenticeship is huge, getting around a mentor. And if your mentor is someone related to you, like it was for me, that can be a real bonus. At the same time, there is the reality that sometimes the people closest to us really have the least amount of credibility in our lives. So you have to get in touch with that part of it. You might not be the best teacher for someone to get excited about it, but you want to have them involved to the degree they want to be. And I think as we talk about family, it kind of blurs the line between a you know business relationship and a closer relationship. There's a lot of things we should talk about there. Well, you know, for me, I'm again, I'm I'm looking at this largely from the father-child, you know, perspective. So uh, not everybody who's listening is in that, but for me. You know, I had to go through, you have to set your ego aside. You know, sometimes dad isn't the smartest guy in the room. Sometimes dad doesn't always have the best answer. Sometimes, you know, you have to go get someone else. You know, Sean, for example, in his athletic career, you know, I love football and I, you know, but I, I had a degree of knowledge and it didn't take long before he passed that. And I wasn't able to help him get his athleticism to the next level. I needed to go outside and start hiring trainers and coaches that knew more than I did. Well, I would argue that would be helping him to do it. So you weren't able to personally help them after a certain point, but still be able to think of and gravitate to resources that maybe he wouldn't have found on his own. Right. But as dad, I had to set my ego aside. Right. There are some dynamics you have in your family. I think in any relationship, you know, like they don't like doctors, you know, operate on their family members, right? Because you're too close to it. You don't think clearly. And I think one of the things, whether it's, you know, your children or your parents or your siblings, uh, or even your very closest friends, you know, the thing that I think people, the reason people I think gravitate away from wanting to do business or invest together is because it's such an emotional thing. I mean, there's love, there's affection, there's a permanent bond, you know, if this thing goes sideways, we still have to see each other at Christmas and the holidays, you know. That's something that the people who are in the relationship have to come together and talk about and get out on the table and say, hey, you know, first of all, you never, with any investor, you never want to ask them to risk more than they're willing to risk. And that's not just capital. That's relationship too, right? I mean, with the kids, it was hard because I got my kids involved early and we got involved right before the, the meltdown. And so, you know, we all went through a very, very tough time together. We lost a lot of money. We lost properties. Things went sideways. We got lessons. And, and some just were like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. And there was a toll on our personal relationships. 
um, we really didn't have that talk going in, you know, and, and I probably needed to take a lot more responsibility for that and saying, hey, you know what, there is the possibility that things could go sideways here, like you would with any investor. Well, that's the point, like you would with any investor. We see it happen that parents or best friends from college or a group of peers or cousins get together and do a deal and they figure out, well, we're friends, we're, you know, we're family, we don't need to, you know, put it in writing. I would say just the opposite is true. All the more reason to have it in writing, not because you're distrustful, because you need that clarity and you need to be able to have the talk. You know, I, I call it the talk. When I'm sitting down to get ready to approach a friend or family member in a business venture, we have to have the talk about the relationship surviving the deal. And there is no guarantee in real estate or any other business endeavor. So if you're up to it, awesome. And if you're not, that's okay too. I started a business with a college friend and we had a great run, but before we did it, we sat down and had the talk and the business made a lot of money seasonally and we put the money back in in the off season and after five years, it was kind of a wash, didn't really make any money. I'll tell you what, we're still very strong friends today and it's because we had the talk. Yeah, one of the key things about whether it's family or close friends is this, it's a big shortcut to deal with somebody that you already know, like, and trust. You know a lot about them. You're not going to spend all your time vetting whether they are really the partner you want. Nonetheless, you got to do exactly what you said. In fact, any relationship that is going to have any degree of complication, I think it's important that you define, this is how we're going to start it, this is what we're going to do while we're in it, and this is how we're going to terminate it when it's time comes. And even more so, if you're entering into a JV or a partnership with someone you consider a peer, then you do have this arrangement and agreement and timeline, and here's what we're going to do. This is an added level of assuming father-son, father-daughter, cousin-niece, nephew you probably are the seasoned investor and they're brand new. So it's not an equal partnership, perhaps. They're going to do different things than you are. Part of what they're doing is investing time to learn so that they get the lessons and they get the experience even more so than the financial return. And let's face it, most of the younger people today don't have equal footing in terms of money, financial ability, ability to get loans, all of that. So now not only do you need to have an agreement that says, this is what we're gonna to do to get in and get out, it's roles and responsibilities. And you gotta recognize that those roles are gonna shift. I look at your and my partnership, Robert, we've worked together for an awful lot of years. And certainly when we began this, I was the experienced person. Today, you are the preeminent real estate guy in our family. You've done a lot of things I've never done. And the one thing we've had a lot of questions, by the way, about how do you guys get along and including from your sister. And I think the simple answer is we've given each other plenty of space to be able to operate together, but still be independent and not be in a dominant and uh, subservient position. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to just keeping the main thing the main thing, right? I mean, that's what I talked about earlier, having to put your ego aside, you know? I mean, you know, uh, being a part of this team for the years that I've been, and of course my role has changed from the beginning when I just kind of came in as an outsider and then really became part of the family, you know? And uh, and everything that we've been through, and we've clearly had our ups and downs, you know? So it's, it's a lot that way, and, and the thing is, it's always just keeping the main thing the main thing. When a job needs to get done, it's just like who's best qualified to do it. it, it it's not right or wrong. It's just you, let's get the job done. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And if everybody keeps the mission first, you know, when you're an investor, it's about, hey, we need to make this deal work. And if it didn't go as planned, then what can we do to save it? There's no time to play the blame game. There's no time to get involved in emotional pettiness. There's no time to run around and, you know, poison, you know, the family and, oh, this guy's bad and talking behind people's back, you know. And, and I think that you have to look at who your family members are. How have they conducted themselves in the family in the past? And are they the type of people that can handle conflict? Are they the types of people that can put things on the table? Do they keep things discreet and go directly to the source? Are they rumor mongers? Are they divisive? You know, because the thing is, you two may get together and say, hey, let's do this together. But you can literally tear an entire family apart when you're in business with someone who's like that. Because it's, it's like if you've ever been in a church that's fractured, right? You get a group of people that all gravitate towards one person's side of the story and another group of people, in this case a family, that all gravitate towards the other person's part of the family. And now your little investment venture has turned into this gigantic family rift. And you've got the Hatfields and the McCoys who can't even enjoy the holidays together. Yeah, so a there's a lot point. of things to consider when you go into this. And most of the time we focus on the money side. And of course, this is about a relationship that is bigger than the deal. 
Well, I think one of the risks you take when you go down this road is that thing happening. Even when you have the talk, it's easy up front when everything seems like it's going to go right that everyone goes, oh, yeah, of course. Very different when the reality sets in and people have problems with their credit or their capital or their outside relationships or any of that. But that's true for any real estate investing. The difference is when you have family, as you say, Russ, you're connected to those people for life. So you don't want to have that uneasiness or awkwardness with them around a deal. Well, if I go raise money from an investor just out on the street, I'm going to treat them like family. I'm going to be honest with them. I'm going to do my very best job for them like I would for anybody else, right? But the difference is they are not connected permanently to many, many other members of my family. They right. are not behind the curtain. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's great that you say, hey, how are we going to handle this between our relationship? But be very, very aware of all of the other relationships that are associated to it, because that is not just your, your marketplace reputation. That's your family reputation. Excellent point. And then you got to think about, you know, you do want to look at their character, and that's really the things you were talking about, Russ. And then you want to look at what their interests are and where their competency might be. If they've just graduated from high school, what were they doing in high school? That is might be a translatable skill. If they've got a college degree, what's the degree in? Right. A few weeks ago on Ask the Guys, we had a, a C, young CPA looking to get into real estate syndication. And okay, if you're getting into real estate syndication, well, being a CPA is going to help you in credibility. If he was a sports medicine major, well, it's probably not going to help his credibility, but it sure might help the group of people he could go talk to about investing, right? So what are their skills and, and competencies? And approach it like any other partnership. You might not take a partner who's not related to you based on there not being enough match. Or a family member, you might say, well, okay, but you do want to give them the nod in terms of what things can they bring to the party. It would be great for many of us successful seasoned real estate investors to get a young, enthusiastic person that would be out there chasing deals and researching stuff and vigorously online trying to find out about zoning changes or what's happening politically in a marketplace or doing market research. All of those are great learning experiences. And so that could be a, a way that they could contribute value without necessarily contributing capital because the reality is most high school and college graduates aren't swimming in a pile of cash. No, but I mean, you know, they do have basically virgin credit scores and those credit scores are worth a lot of money in today's uh, marketplace if you know how to use them. Now, the risk that they take is they could ruin that credit, right? Um, but they, you can also help them develop it real quickly and, and just kind of along the lines of helping people develop. There's this old thing I heard in church one time, long time ago, and it was a great little story about a rancher and the rancher would hang out at the back 40 with his neighbor and you know one one year the rancher decided to turn over the operations of the ranch to his three sons and he's hanging out at the the back 40 fence with his buddy and his buddy goes you know I've been been looking at your your cattle and they're not looking so good your ranch looks like it's not doing so good he goes that's all right because this year I'm not raising cattle I'm raising sons exactly and so you know he knew what he was doing and so sometimes you know I mean look how much money I, I know how much money I've invested in college education for my son and you know technically I don't get a direct return on investment that's just a direct investment in his development and in his future and his opportunity and that cost money and you know some of the best lessons you learn in investing are when things go bad. If, if you can't stand to lose money and you're going to hold it against your partner, you know, if you're going to give, say, your, your son or your daughter or your brother a responsibility, especially if you're the senior kind of member on the team and it's about mentoring and that's the main thing, then, you know, just be prepared. It may cost you a little bit, but that's okay, right? Because there's a lot of valuable lessons. I know, you know, I mean, in, in my family, we lost a bunch of money and we lost it uh, in the downturn. And I don't think it was really anybody's fault. You know, going back, if we could do it all over again, knowing what we know now, we probably wouldn't have done that. But the only reason we know what we know now is because it happened. And so I'm just happy to have the lesson and be able to carry that forward. But not everybody can go through that kind of experience and, and still feel good about the business, not just the relationship. I mean, the relationship is okay, but you know, you don't want to keep doing the business. So uh, it goes back to just realizing you know, what it is you're trying to accomplish and being willing to, to pay the price for whatever that is, both, both financially and in the relationship. We're talking about the cost and the benefit of bringing your family along for the ride as a real estate investor. We got lots more to talk about and we're going to play Real Estate Trivia, give you a chance to win a great family-oriented book next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, Real Estate Guys listeners. This is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. 
I want to personally invite you to attend our upcoming field trip to Atlanta with Robert and Russ, June 20th through the 22nd. If you've been to one of our field trips in the past, you know what an amazing opportunity this is to get a personal tour of Atlanta while also analyzing a number of investment opportunities in our market right now. You see, at Georgia Residential Partners, we specialize in providing turnkey residential investment properties to investors all over the country. From renovations, to leasing, to financing and property management, our bread and butter is making an out-of-state investment as painless and profitable as possible. If you have a second, download our special report on Atlanta at therealestateguysradio.com or check out some of our current inventory at gainvesting.com. And again, don't forget to sign up soon for our Atlanta field trip, June 20 through the 22nd. I look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're talking this week about getting your family involved in your real estate investing. Does that make sense or not? And before we get back to the show, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, which has something to do, of course, with the family as well. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, your mailing address, because we're going to physically send you the prize and the answer to the question. The prize you ask? This week, it's a copy of Josh and Lisa Lannan's great book, The Social Capitalist. That can be yours. If you know today's real estate trivia question last week, we had Ron Ricard on the show talking about the power of the 1031 exchange. And we ask this, the Winchester Mystery House is a very famous piece of real estate in San Jose. Once owned by Sarah Winchester, what famous product did her husband, William's father, make? The answer is the Winchester Rifle, made by the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, and that brand is still used today under license. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Speaking of family, the television show Family Ties, starring Michael J. Fox, aired from 1982 to 1989. In what U.S. city did the show take place? If you know or want to take a guess, quickly send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your physical mailing address so that we can mail you your copy of The Social Capitalist by Josh and Lisa Lannon. If you're the first with the right answer, that's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about getting your family involved. It could be your immediate family, your larger family, and people you consider family in your real estate investing. Does that make sense? And if it does, how do you do it? And it's time uh, to introduce you to a young man who is in a real estate family now and uh, just graduated college trying to figure out uh, what to do and how to do it and where and why. Please meet uh, the son of our co-host, Mr. Sean Gray, how are you, Sean? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Thanks for letting me come on. Yeah, I know how much uh, you uh, listen to the show and appreciate your dad and all that, and that's great. I know that you guys have been out uh, trying to do a lot of stuff. Now, I want to start with this. You've just graduated from college. You played football through high school and college, and that was a big part of your life. But you also recognized pretty early that football doesn't go forever and there's going to be something you're going to do. Now that you're making this really interesting transition, and some of us have made this and some of us haven't, where you've had a formal education for a lot of years and, and now it starts. So what does that feel like? Well, honestly, it feels like I was on a track for so long. I was in a system for so long. I was focused on football and school and that was my life for up until now. And end of that track came and I feel like floating in space. I have so much opportunity and it's hard to decide what to do. But like you said, I have him guiding me, helping me, escorting me around, having me meet people. So it's exciting. So since the beginning of the year, you've gone to a podcasting conference, which was interesting because now you've kind of watched what we've done with our podcast and you're thinking about doing a podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, let's start with that. What, what excited you about that or got you interested in maybe exploring the opportunity to do a podcast? 
Well, like you said, I see what you guys are doing, and I see how exciting it is. You guys get to live a lifestyle that's awesome. It doesn't even seem like work. So when I went to that conference, I learned a lot, um, a lot of new information, and it seemed like a great opportunity. There's just a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of opportunity in it. Yeah, and, and, and I think when you're young, and this is a great thing, it, it, you know, your future is a blank canvas, right? That's maybe not true for everybody listening, but if you're at that point, you have some decisions to make, and you've been following along in this system and this plan, and now like the world opens up because you're not tied to a class schedule and to homework and to football practice and to games and all that, but part of that has to be like, well, what do I do now? Right. Well, for me, um, I think obviously the goal seminar, I've been to that the past few years and going to that this past January was, uh, was a great opportunity for me because like I said, I was on that track for so long and I was in space and didn't really know what to do. But like you said, create your future, you know, don't just go along with, you know, what's been told for you. Yeah, that's such a good point. And a lot of people are already stuck in the thinking of, uh, I have to get up and go to work for somebody else, right? Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, the E-quadrant, the employee quadrant, nothing wrong with being an employee if that's what you want to do with the rest of your life. It seems to me, having now spent uh, some time with you uh, throughout the years, that uh, you're not going to fit that mold very well. No, not not quite. Uh, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, obviously a life-changing book. Um, changes the way you think about so much. But yeah, like I said, it was in a system for so long, it's, it's freeing almost to have control and being of, of your own life and your own business opportunities, your choices that you make. So it's exciting. Well, we, we talk to a lot of folks who have read that book or, or other great books that, that have uh, you know this, this paradigm shift occur for people. But you've kind of taken a, a step further and you've got some friends who are kind of doing a study on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So Get us, get us through that process. Other young guys like you in the same position in life, is it sinking in for them? Are people brushing against it? Are they, they finding it to be exciting? How's that working out? Well, like you said, I mean, there's plenty of 40-year-old, 50-year-old investors who say, I wish I would have started this when I'm 20. And from my past experience in life, most of the time, mom and dad are right. <laughs> so <laughs> We got that on tape, Russ. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I started a book club with my friends every Monday night at 7 o'clock. We sit down, we read some of Rich Dad's books, and um, like I say, it's life-changing. All right, so now that you have your, uh, your future in, in front of you, what's, what are you going through to try to figure it out? I, I know that you've uh, been studying, you've been reading and so forth, but just kind of the internal part of that, uh, now that you've had some training and some ideas, you know, what is that process like and, and what's next for you? Well, I think goals is huge. So I've been really focusing on my goals. I read my goal workbook all the time, just building my connections, coming here with you guys, um, meeting people, learning as much as I can. I think that's the most important thing for me right now is just taking in as much knowledge and observing as much as I can because obviously you don't, I don't have all the answers, don't really have any of the answers, but Ask the right questions to the right people, right? Absolutely. And I think you've also done a good job of, of getting around people that aren't necessarily just your peers. You've got the thing going on with the with the friends doing this, the study group, which is awesome. Because I'll tell you what, if you were to be in a study group with a bunch of 50-year-olds, it could be great. But you wouldn't necessarily have the same frame of reference, the same languaging, the same relatability. So you, do you have that? At the same time, you also are going around to events and getting around people of all ages, shapes, sizes, experience level, and, and trying to figure that part of it out because it's a big world with lots of possibilities. Absolutely. And I, you guys tell me all the time, be who you're becoming. So I'm trying to, and also you become the sum total of the five people you spend the most time around. So I'm trying to surround myself with people like you. That's why I'm here. And just learn as much as possible. All right. So, Russell Gray, take us through your side of this. You've got uh, your youngest son here embarking out on the world. Uh, you've had some uh, bruises of hard knocks as well as some amazing success. Uh, how do you take that and have him benefit that but still become his own person? You know, I I've always tried to live my life relatively transparently. Uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad because I, I don't want to give my children this fairy tale picture of what being an adult is. You know, I mean, if I have issues in my marriage, my kids know it. If I'm struggling in my personal life, my kids know it. If I have financial setbacks, my kids know it. And I maybe I even overemphasize the bad times over the good times. And it's just because in my lifetime, I have learned to really appreciate the bad times. 
And so I want to make sure that my kids have the opportunity to go into a world that's real with a paradigm or a perspective that's as real as I can give it to them. And I also want them to feel very comfortable and competent interacting with people of all different socioeconomic and age levels. You know, I want them to feel like they can have a conversation with somebody and, and bring something to the party. You know, they, they, they know the principle, hey, if I'm going to get in a conversation with someone, I want to, I want to take something away, but I also want to give something. And sometimes that's hard, a little intimidating when you're young, you know, but uh, he's become a voracious reader. I mean, I travel with him now and every time I turn around, he's got his nose in a book, whether it's on the airplane or in the hotel room. Uh, he listens in on the conversations. He sits and takes notes and he's thinking about it, you know, and then he goes away and has his quiet times. I'm a big fan of journaling. And, you know, and you can tell somebody, hey, I think you should journal. It helps slow your brain down and clarify your thinking. And then, you know, watching them do that kind of stuff. Um, and, of course, you know, the time is going to come when they're going to start taking real risk. Turning on the mics and saying, okay, you know, here we go. You want to be a podcaster? Let's put a microphone in front of your face and so you can see what that feels like, you know. And so it's just a proud moment for me to do it. Just like when we were at the Jim Rohn event, we put Stephanie on stage, you know, at 19 years old. And she got up there and just killed it. And it was great. For me, it's just very exciting. It's it being being a parent, uh, being a mentor, if you will, um, being able to see the kids uh, step out and take things on and believe enough in you and what you've done to say, hey, I'd like to try to find a way to emulate some of that. But at the same time, as I said earlier, setting the ego aside and knowing that it can't just be about me or honoring me or copying me. It's It's really about helping them discover the best them they can be. Uh, this is a launching pad, not a destination, and it's a journey, you know, so uh, it's very, very fun and exciting, and I can't wait to see this extremely talented young man, very ambitious, very hardworking, intelligent, uh, you know, I know he's going to do great things, and I just want to make sure that, you know, he doesn't fall into a lot of the traps that snare young people. I don't want him to be the 40-year-old going, I wish I would have. I want him to be the 40-year-old going, man, I'm glad I did. That is such a huge distinction, and, and I think, you know, to see that manifest in the rubber to the road, that you're a great salesperson. You teach sales uh, in an amazing way. You've gone through the trenches of sales. You're great at technique, and yet rather than just be the guy to teach him sales, you had a chance to get uh, Sean in front of Tom Hopkins, arguably one of the best sales guys around. Now, Sean, you're going to have another week with Tom. Now, whether or not you, you gravitate towards a sales career, tell us kind of what it's like to see sales through, through the eyes of different folks. Well, like you guys said earlier, sales is involved in everything, and he's been preaching that at me since I was young. I actually, after the, I spent some time with Tom Hopkins at the Goal Seminar, I went back and his little card trick, I practiced that on my friends, and it was, it was cool. Yeah, good, good stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to get around a lot of different ideas and stuff's going to resonate, right? So many great podcasts out there. I'm excited if you decide you're going to pull the trigger into your podcast because you'll be able to reach an audience that other people won't, right? We encourage people to listen to a variety of stuff. There's so many great podcasts out there, and we certainly don't know it all. Some people really resonate with our message and our experience and our transparency, and other people are like, ah, okay, I'll listen to that, but I'm re I really like this show over here because it's more relatable. And as the podcast world and, and that whole media site changes and evolves, it's going to be amazing. I, I mean, imagine back when Bob was you know trying to learn something on the radio. He had to sit around the living room and wait for it to come on at a certain time on on. Sunday, right? And and now you decide when you want to listen to what you want to listen to, stop it, you know, start it again, come back to it. That very access to information is phenomenal. You're sitting at a place where there's better and more and, and more distinct and different access to information than there's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like you said, I listen to a variety of podcasts. Uh, when I went to the NMX in Las Vegas, uh, John Lee Dumas has his Entrepreneurs on Fire, and that's he's kind of a younger guy, so it's kind of inspiring to see how fast he's grown that, and then obviously what you guys are doing here. You know, Jim Rohn used to say, those of us in the Millionaires Club like to invite a billionaire over every now and then to see, hey, we're doing pretty good, right? So those of you in the in the, in the the early 20s ought to invite over a successful 18-year-old every now and then to say, you know, hey, guys, come on, what took you so long? You do have to get around people that are doing it and, and so forth. So I just commend you for the point you are in your life and wish you a, a great successful jaunt this year as you kind of figure it all out and uh, we'll, we'll be very excited to watch how it all blossoms for you. Thank you very much. We're talking about how you get your family involved with business and really is it the right thing for them? Is it the right thing for you? We'll have some closing thoughts on that when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host Robert Helms.
Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you'd like to know how to put bigger deals together and make lots of money helping people invest, come on out to the Secrets of Successful Syndication. Two days, all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click on the Events tab and you'll see the Secrets of Successful Syndication. We're talking about how you can bring your family along with what you're doing. And I guess part of the big picture is if you have decided that real estate is a part of your future, a way to build a financial fortress around your family, a legacy, if you will, like a business you started, is something you can leave to your kids. And if you get them involved early, they'll be better prepared, which will serve them better in the long run. Absolutely. You know, it's when you build a portfolio, you're building assets, right? You know, talk about portfolio management or asset management. You know, those things need to be managed and the manager needs to be trained. You can't just run the whole thing, you know, keep it secret and then just cut checks to everybody and be Mr. You know, Mr. Moneybags at Christmas time or whatever. And then, and then you die and leave your kids this big thing that they have no idea they've had no preparation for. But I had another comment too, I just wanted to throw out there, kind of disrelated, but I, I don't want the show to end without getting it out there. Um, for me, one of the things that I would really encourage anybody who's interested in getting into business or doing an investment with their family members is to go do some events together. When you go to the events and you get stimulated with the speakers and the topics and you get that isolated time where you're in the hotel room and you're having meals together, and you can discuss the things that you know you've heard and and how you're relating you know you'll learn a lot about how they process information what they think about things and it really focuses your your attention uh, in being able to talk about the topic at hand you know so i know for me in spending these uh, the beginning months of sean's you know post college experience together on the road in hotel rooms and on airplanes in seminars eating meals together hanging out at the beach and the boat and all the things that we've done together um, and then watching him interact with other people is 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 important and it has nothing to do with him being my son he could be my brother he could be my uncle he could be my father uh, but it's a great way, you know, because people are sometimes it's like, well, how do I bring it up? How do we get started? You know, say, hey, just invite somebody. Hey, would you like to go to this with me? And if they say yes, then there's a degree of interest. And once you're there, then, well, what are you taking away from it? Well, I think there's a huge thing there I don't want to gloss over. And that is making the invitation is very different than saying you're coming with me to this, right? You have to leave enough gap that they jump over if they're interested. And then the whole idea of watching what they do with the information. You go to a conference and you go to lunch and you're talking about the speakers and they go, you know, I want to go check my email as opposed to, gosh, let's go hunt down one of those guys we heard talk and have a conversation. You get to kind of witness what the what they do instead of you always being the one dragging the person around. You want to see that they've got the fire in their belly. I think there's a key thought here we touched on earlier called apprenticeship. This is really important to you youngsters who are trying to get into, you've already made the decision, you're trying to get into a business. So whether it's family or not, if you can find a place to apprentice, in other words, that's a great shortcut to this. If I can get under somebody's wing, if I can get a job as an assistant, doesn't matter how I pick that, it's a huge shortcut and of course that works for family. 
Well, I think that if there are people in your life that have the skills that you might be looking at, just approaching it from the young person, look around your family. Is there someone whose skills you want to learn, like you did with your uncle, Russ, all those years ago? Recognize that he had a skill set. He had a lifestyle that you thought, hey, I want to get around the guy. And to your credit, you got around the guy, and you learned some of that stuff. You know, I was brand new, newlywed, 10, 10 months married, very young. I got married very, very young, and I had what a lot of people thought would be a very secure job. Went for a big electronics company, benefits, time off, you know, it looked like I was on this track. Of course, like Sean, I was like, I, I, I lasted like about three months, and I looked around at the people who were in their 40s and 50s, which they might as well have been, you know, Methuselah, you know, when you're 18 <laughs> years old, looking at these people, I'm thinking, oh my God, I, I can't even imagine my life. I've got to find a solution. And, you know, we ended up uh, going down and hanging out with my uncle uh, because I like to ride the roller coasters in Southern California. So my wife and I would go down there because we were basically kids and we'd go down there and hang out. And I was looking exactly the way he was living. And I thought, dude, I don't know what it is you do, but I want to figure this out. And he, all he said to me was, well, come on down here. I'll teach you. That's all I needed to hear. I went back, gave my notice. We, you know, moved. I dragged my wife away from her family. And uh, we spent the next year and a half down there. And, and I apprenticed. And it was, you know, they used to tell me, Russ, this is, this is better than any college education. And you know what? They were right. They were absolutely right because, you know, I saw a lot of guys go on to college and I made a lot more money in sales than any of these guys did. I was making more money. You know, at one point my dad was the CEO of a company and I was in sales and I was making almost double what he was making. And so I, I realized that that was a great, great education. And I made up my mind if I ever had kids, I was going to make sure that they had the opportunity to learn how to have that kind of earning power, no matter what they chose to do with their life. Jim Rohn said, formal education will make you a living, but self-education, what you do after you finish your formal education will make you a fortune. And it's not just a fortune financially. When you have the ability to work with people you care about, it's a very different lifestyle. Back to that lifestyle component. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about how many zeros or how many doors you have. It's the quality of your life and the relationships that you have. You have to decide if you want to bring those people into your business or not. And that's a personal deal. If so, we just urge you to have the talk, make sure it's structured properly, and make it about that person and not about you. And there's awesomeness there. Big thanks to Sean Gray for having the guts to step up as a young guy in front of the microphone and put it all out there. And uh, we wish you success in your investing, whether that's with your family or not. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.